Good morning, everybody. Okay, that was pretty weak. Good morning. All right. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for being here. Glad you've joined us. Thanks, worship team, for leading us in a, just a great time of worship. Appreciate you guys. Well, I want to start out this morning with a story uh, I read this week by a man by the name of Bruce Larson, and he tells a story about when he was a small boy sort of uh, growing up in, uh, in the Chicago region. He says this, he says, when I was a small boy, I attended a church every Sunday at a big Gothic Presbyterian church in downtown Chicago. The preaching was powerful. He said the music was fantastic. But for me, he says, the most awesome moment in the morning service was the offertory. I'm like, can we get more kids like that? I'm just saying, like, what is going on? He said the best part of the morning was the offering when 12 solemn frock-coated ushers would march down in lockstep time down the main aisle to receive the brass plates for the collecting of the offering. These men, so serious about the business of serving the Lord in this uh, magnificent house of worship, were business and professional leaders of Chicago. One of the 12 ushers was a man by the name of Frank Loesch. Uh, he was not a very, uh, you know, very Im impressive looking man, but in Chicago, he was a living legend, for he was the man who stood up to Al Capone back in the day. In the Prohibition years, Capone's rule was absolute. The local, uh, the state police, even, even the FBI, they were afraid to oppose him. But single-handedly, Frank Loesch, as a Christian layman and without any government support, organized what became known as the Chicago Crime Commission, a group of uh, that was determined to take on Capone, take, take him to court, and see him put away for life. During the, months, uh, during the months that the crime commission met, Frank, Loesch, Frank Loesch's family was in constant danger. He was, uh, his family was threatened. Uh, his friends were threatened. And, I mean, you can imagine from somebody by the, you know, like Al Capone, it wasn't just empty threats, right? I mean, these were terrifying sort of threats. But he never wavered. Ultimately, he won the cause, the case against Capone, and uh, was instrumental in the re removing this blight from the city of Chicago. Frank Loesch had risked his life to live out what he believed was God's calling on him for such a time as this. This is what uh, Bruce Larson says. He says, every Sunday at that point in the service, he says, my father, also a Chicago businessman himself, never failed to poke me and silently point towards Frank with pride. Sometimes I'd even catch a tear in my father's eyes for my dad. And he said, actually, for all of us in the church, this was and is what it looks like to live out authentic Christian faith in this life. Isn't that a fascinating story? Something about it sort of captured me this week as I was thinking about it. From what I've read, Frank was just a Christian guy. Uh, he was a lawyer, but he was just a Christian guy that up to that point uh, had just been living a fairly regular life, but there was something, there was an injustice that he saw, something that he just couldn't put up with anymore. He could no longer just sit by passively and watch the culture and the city and the people that he loved around him, see him going to pot, see him going to hell, basically, right? Just kind of seeing people die and seeing the culture just go downward and downward and downward. And he realized at that moment that he must do something, and so he attacked the root problem. He went after Capone. He realized that his duty and his call was not just to sit back and hide from the terrible circumstances and from a corrupt culture, but to change it, and he did. That came through, <laughs> through putting Capone away. How many more people would have been killed? How much more corruption would have come to the city if one person hadn't, st hadn't stood up and said, you know what? We've got to change the city. We've got to change the culture in which we live. 
I read a quote this week from kind of a hero of the faith of mine. He's a guy by the name of Bill Bright. He was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as Crew, uh, one of the most influential Christian leaders of the 20th century. He, he literally uh, gave a billion people worldwide the opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel. A billion people. Isn't that crazy? saw hundreds of millions of people respond to Jesus through him. And he used to say this. He said, you know, there's three different kinds of people in this world. Those who make things happen, those who watch what's happening, and those who have no idea what's going on, <laughs> right? And, and, uh, and the question that I, I, I find as I read those is I'm like, what kind do you think Christ intends for his followers to be? Those who, those who, uh, are making things happen, who introducing change and leadership and influencing the culture around them, those that are mere, merely watching it happen, or those that have kind of are just in their own dream, dream land while the rest of the world goes by. Well, we are on week number four of a series that we've been doing here at Ignite called Leadership by the Book. And throughout the series, we've been talking about the incredible influence and in, in, in leadership of Jesus and his call likewise to follow him into that, his, his call and uh, in, in, in the role of his followers to really impact the world in which they live, to lead and not just get swept away by the current of culture that we live in, but to have actual impact and influence on those around us, in our sphere, on our culture, and, uh, and to those people that God has entrusted into our sphere. We're called each and every day, as we've been talking about, to live for God's kingdom, to live our lives in such a way that God's plans prevail, that each and every day, the, the places where we go, the ways that we live, and the influence that we have makes this you know, our little sphere look a little bit more like heaven and a little bit less like uh, the kingdom of this world. That's what Jesus calls us to be. If you're a follower of Jesus, then he has called you and I to be leaders. He's called you and I to be influencers and to have impact on the lives and the world around us. So if you and I are called to make a difference, uh, you think uh, that, should, that uh, Peoria should look differently? Do you think that, the, that, that that would impact some of the stats and some of the, the, uh, some of the culture in the town that we live in? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Look at some of these stats. Uh, these are fairly recent stats. I put up a bunch of them. I'm just going to kind of rapid fire them here. But as of 2017, 23% of Peoria County lives under the poverty line. As of, uh, as of uh, that same 2017, there were 378 homeless people in Peoria, 70 of them that have no that are unsheltered entirely. They have no place uh, to go or no place to live. There's a 55% uh, divorce rate in 2011. This, is, this one was crazy. This was a couple years ago. There was a bunch of research done and found that Peoria County is in the worst 18 countries in the U.S. for STDs, STIs, whatever you want to call them. Uh, some Peoria zip five times worse than the national average. The other thing that they're in the same category for is... Uh, is, uh, why can't I think of this, um, but uh, single mom pregnancies kind of thing. It's crazy. You kind of look at those, 51% uh, of babies born in Peoria are, are born to unwed, often single uh, moms. And I, I read those stats and I just think, man, if the church was being the church, if we were living for Christ and his kingdom full on, do you think those stats should begin to change? Do you think as we love people well, as we point them back to Jesus, as we, as we preach the gospel, not just on Sunday mornings, but we share that and as we build relationships, as we live our lives out there in the mission field, do you think these, these stats should begin to change? 
Really? You believe that? Absolutely. Absolutely. We are called to be salt and light. We are called to make an impact on the world around us. And that's, that is right outside our doors. Those, those stats, some of them live next door to us, or they work next door to us, or they're students that are just across the row from us in the classroom, right? These are people that have names and faces, people that we know, people that we maybe even care about. Today I want to talk a little bit more about sort of maximizing your spiritual impact, maximizing your spiritual leadership on those around you. And I want to learn about this from a passage in John chapter 17. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along or on the Ignite Church app, or you can follow along on the screens as well. Uh, we don't have a, a ton of time to go through and read the whole thing. It's a fairly lengthy passage. I would encourage you, though, to go home today or tomorrow or sometime this week and read John 17. There's a place in your program for notes. Maybe write down, read John 17 and take it with you in some place that will remind you, in some place that you can... Uh, See, because it's a fascinating passage. It's actually a prayer that Jesus prays uh, for his followers, for his disciples, and then for those that will be reached through the disciples, which includes you and me, includes all of us, anybody that's a Christ follower today. And he, it's the way he prays for them, but also there's some fantastic sort of leadership lessons even in the way he prays. Let's start out with this. John 17, starting with verse 1, says this. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those that you have given to him. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. I'll just stop there for a second. A couple of interesting things here. First of all, this passage is steeped in leadership-type language. For instance, when it says that Jesus, when, when Jesus says, man, you've given me authority over all people. Authority is a leadership-type of word. It means literally, it's talking about a position of power or influence uh, in proximity to other people. It's, it was used sometimes to, to refer to the rightful place or position or the power of a king. It's talking about leadership. It's talking about influencing and impacting those around us. This whole passage sort of gives us some uh, different snapshots and pictures into Jesus' leadership and authority and how he lived that leadership out throughout his ministry. And we learn those things in the midst of this prayer that he prays for his followers. The other thing that I just want you to notice real quick in those first four verses, you can bring that slide back up if you want, is that uh, Jesus' primary goal in life is to glorify the Father, right? To glorify the Father. To honor and reflect the Father to everybody around at all times. Whatever Jesus did, whatever even that's described in this passage was done to bring glory to God by doing the things that we're going to look at. Jesus says, I've brought you glory by completing the work that you've given me to do, by doing these things. So whatever Jesus did in this passage, it's going to bring glory to God in, even in our lives as we do the same thing. So that's, we're going to kind of just look at those, look about six things that Jesus sort of identifies of how he led and had spiritual influence on those around him, and then, and then he prays for them to, to actually go and emulate that as well. But we're just going to walk through six. Like I said, I'm going to do a little bit, some I'll spend a little bit more time on, some a little less, but we'll kind of fly through these. The first thing is that Jesus helped people get to know God. <laughs> that's his primary call, one of his primary callings, right? 
and it's our number one responsibility as well. When Jesus tells us to go and make disciples, when Jesus tells us to go and be witnesses or to be, is like, this is what it's talking about. Our job is to help point people back home to the Father, to help them come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's why you and I are still here, to help others come to know the Father too. I was talking with one of our leaders here at Ignite uh, yesterday, and they were talking about that during their lunchtime, they've just been spending time with the Lord in their work, going to the back room or who knows, whatever, something like that. But they've been spending some time praying and even worshiping, reading the Bible, that kind of stuff. And one of their, uh, one of the, uh, bosses or whatever had heard about this and said, man, you're having church back there, aren't you? <laughs> and I was like, actually, I think that's great. You want to know, they're, this person is glorifying God. They're pointing other people to God. They're opening up the conversation and the door to talk about Jesus, right? To point people back home to the Father and say, you know, yeah, there's stuff going on here. I think so far too often it seems like we just live our lives as nice people, quote unquote, and people don't see the Father. They're not pointed back home to Jesus. They just think, oh, they're good people. That's nice. And that's great, but it's got to be more. I mean, when people look at you, when they look at me, do they see the Father? Are we pointing them back home and saying, man, there's more to life if you would just experience this? I thought this was fascinating. John uh, 17 is the six uh, is the verse that, that you kind of talk about this. Jesus is saying, I have revealed you, God, to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they've obeyed your word. I have revealed the Father to them, it says. It doesn't say I lectured them. It doesn't say I preached to them or I sermonized to them. It doesn't say I condemned them or looked down my nose at them. It says I revealed the Father to them. I was like, man, that's a, that's a cool image. He showed them, right? He loved them. He led them. He taught them by example first, but then by his words as well. He revealed the Father to them. And the question that comes to mind for me is, are you and am I, are we revealing the Father to our families, to our coworkers, to our friends, to our neighbors? Are we pointing them back to the Father? Are we revealing the real God who is caring and mind-bogglingly loving towards them? Are we re revealing the God who is truthful and just, who is full of grace and forgiveness, a God that is close, that's consistent, that's steadfast, a God that's kind and truthful and incredibly competent, who knows what's best for us, a God who is large and in charge, able to handle our problems, are we revealing the true God to those around us? If you read through the chapter, you eventually get to verse 26, and I love this verse. It kind of gives us a bit of the reasoning or the why it's so important to help those around us know God. It says this in verse 26. It says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that, this is, this is the reason, in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Isn't that great? He's like, man, you know, you want to know why you should be pointing people back to the Father? It's so that they can know the unbelievable love of God and the unbelievable grace of God poured out on them so that they can know the presence of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Why? Because it's better. It's better. He's saying, why wouldn't you want to do that uh, to those around you? It's better. That's so why Jesus invested in this group of disciples and he revealed the Father to them. For him, anything else was unthinkable because life and love and eternity is found in a relationship with the Lord alone. 
first thing. Second thing is this. He taught him God's word. I thought this was great too. And a lot of times it's easy for us to say, oops, next slide, maybe, no. A lot of times it's easy for us to say, to, to kind of think, oh, well, that's something the pastors do. That's not something for me to do. But I'm, I'm going to push you on that for a second if I can. Because Jesus did this, the disciples did this, and those that they led to Christ did this as well. But this is such an important part of leading and influencing those around them. Yes, we want to influence them in the direction of God, of course, of helping people come back into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But also, we want to let God's Word be known. The second responsibility of being a spiritual leader is to sort of pass on God's Word to those around us. God's book is given to us to be a foundation for life. It contains God's truth that we can build our lives on, the truth that our families and friends and those around us can build their lives on as well. It leads us and reveals to us who Jesus is and what relationship and life looks like with him in the picture. Two different places uh, in this prayer, Jesus refers to passing on God's word to his followers. Verse 8 and verse 14, he says, For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. And in verse 14, I have given them your word, he says. Now, why is it important uh, to teach them God's word, to teach others God's word, to even have others teach us God's word? Well, there's two different things I'm going to mention, uh, one, uh, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we talk about this a fair amount around here. After, after, in the book of Deuteronomy, after God gives his people the Ten Commandments, he has this great section where he says, you know what, I've given these to you uh, today so that life may go well for you in the land I'm giving you so that life may go well for you. I don't know, sometimes I think we think about this book as, as though like if I ever reference it, it's going to be like beating somebody down or condemning or whatever else. But God's saying, man, if you, if you would open this thing up and, and, and get, ingest it for yourself first, but then share it with those around you, it's so that life can go well for them. And the other pictures in the New Testament, Jesus has this image and this, this story that he tells, and he says, man, if you would take these words and you would build your life on them, if you would put them into practice, if you would do them, he says, it's like building your house on the rock. And when the storms come and they will come and the waves beat up against the house and all this kind of stuff, you will stand. Your life will stand. Your life, if you build it on these teachings and on the Word of God, it will build a stable life that will be able to withstand no matter what comes. Again, I think sometimes we think, man, I don't want to, I just want to settle for being a nice person, right? I just, I don't want to have to confront, I don't want to have to say, you know what, I think, I think maybe you're off base. I don't want to come across as judgmental or look down my nose. That's not what we're talking about. But I'll tell you what, friends, we need to have, we need to have people share God's truth with us and we need to do it with others. It's part of how we grow up in Christ. It's part of how we become disciples. Why? Because we can be off base sometimes. I can be deceived. You can be deceived. It's part of the truth, isn't it? We all can. Okay, I will just back up just a little bit and just say, I mean, again, we're not talking about condemnation. We're not talking about looking down our noses. We are talking about saying, you know what? I think you're off base here. Is it loving for us to stand by and watch people we know and love, other Christ followers, walk down a path that we know, we know from God's truth is going to lead them towards pain and towards destruction and towards bondage and chains around us? Is it loving to watch them go down that path and just say, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want them to hate me or be mad at me. I don't want them to think that I'm judgmental. Is that loving? No. 
how could we not, if it's true, that God's truth and God's word, if it's true, and I think it is, that it's given to us so that life may go well for us, if it's true that building our lives on this will make our lives unshakable, then how could we, and, and we're called to love other people and love God, how could we not share it with one another? How could we not coach and encourage each other? We all need it. There's times where I'm off. There's times where you're off, and we need some brothers or sisters, some people around us that could come alongside and just say, you know what, I, I want to share Scripture with you. Not, this isn't my opinion. This isn't what I want you to do or whatever else. But no, I think there's something from God's, God's Word that He's got for you here. I think there's something true. There's a, and nudge, us, nudge them back in the right direction. You got, you got me? That's, I mean, I'm telling you what, there's, there's a whole different gear to leadership. There's a whole different gear to influence when we align ourselves with God's Word right? It, it, because God knows what's right. He knows what's true. He knows what's up. Spiritual leadership teaches and passes on God's Word to others. The third one, keep going. Spiritual leadership, this, Jesus prayed for people, right? Spiritual leadership involves praying for people and lifting people up before the Father. Jesus spent a great deal of time praying for His disciples, praying for those uh, who, who were His followers, those that He had influence over. Verse 9 says this, I pray for them, Jesus prays. I'm not praying for the world, but for those that you have given me, for they are yours. In order for us to be effective leaders in our homes, in our churches, in, in the world around us, we've got to learn to be men and women of prayer. Why? Because when we pray, God's resources get unleashed in our world. Do you want to see people's lives transformed? Do you want your life to matter? Learn to pray right? Let's prioritize it. Let's make room for God by getting down on our knees and lifting up the people around us and praying for, yes, ourselves, but also our families and for those around us. If you don't know what to pray, and I think this happens uh, a lot, that we're kind of like, I don't really know what to pray. I'm going to rapid fire these. Can you go to the next slide? These are straight from the Scripture. This is what Jesus prays. You should write these down and check these out later. If you ever wonder how to pray for people, how to pray for transformation and for God's kingdom to bust in, look at, look at how Jesus prays. Jesus prays, first of all, in verse 13, he says, he prays that they'll have joy as they live for Christ. He's praying for his followers, for other Christ followers, that they'll have joy as they live for Christ. The second one, he, he prays that they'll grow strong spiritually. This one's fascinating. He prays that they'd be strong spiritually. It reminds me of a story from Erwin McManus, who's kind of a pastor and an author, a uh, great guy, but he talks about his son going to summer camp one summer, and, uh, and you know, you, it's a church camp, so they don't tell ghost stories there, but instead uh, they told, because ghosts don't exist, so they told demon stories. <laughs> so the kid comes home, he's terrified, he's having nightmares, all this kind of stuff, and one night he's, he wakes up in a sweat, and he's been, like, there's all this stuff going on, and he calls out, Dad, Dad, and his dad comes in and he says, uh, I want you to pray for me. He says, I want you to pray that God would take away these dreams, that he would never make me afraid again, and that, he, that he would protect me, that he would keep me safe always. And his dad said, no, I'm not going to pray that for you, right? It's like, what? He says, no, I'm not going to pray that for you. I'm not going to pray that because it's often in those times when we feel afraid and alone and we don't know what to do, it's often in those times that God makes himself real to us, that he teaches us and grows us and draws us near. He said, instead, I'm going to pray that God would make you dangerous. He says, in fact, I'm going to pray that, uh, I'm not going to pray for your comfort, but I'm going to pray that God makes you so dangerous that when you enter a room, demons flee. 
Isn't that great? And the, and the kid says, well, then I, Dad, pray that I'll be really, really dangerous, right? <laughs> right? But isn't that a, it's a great picture. Pray that people would, would, uh, would grow strong in Christ, that God would make them dangerous for his kingdom, right? That he'd send them out on mission, and that as, as they go, that the kingdom of God would come and the kingdom of darkness would shrink back. Isn't that a great prayer? You can pray that for me. You want to know how to pray for me? You should pray that for me. I'd love that. And I'll pray that for you. Wouldn't that be awesome? Keep keeps going. He, he prays that they'll serve Christ effectively. Uh, I thought this was great. John 17, 7, this is a New Century Version, puts it this way. It says, make them ready for your service through your truth. Your teaching is truth. Make them ready for your service. God, use them to have an impact. May they serve you effectively. May, they, may you use them to bring your kingdom in power. Uh, next one is that they'll experience experience community and unity uh, personally. Jesus prays that his followers would be one, that they'd experience great unity in purpose, in love, in relationship with one another. He prays for amazing friendships and relationships for those with other like-minded believers, for those that were his followers. Spiritual leaders pray for their, for their followers, for those they have influence with accordingly. And the last one is that he prays that they'll bring other people to Christ. I think this is great. I love there's sort of this expectation that, that Christ followers, that his followers of Jesus will just naturally reproduce who they are. They will naturally make other Christ followers wherever they go. Each generation must pass on the good news of Jesus to, the, to that generation, to the next generation. And so we're to pray and model, I might add, that, that uh, those around us, ourselves included, would bring other people to Christ. So pray, right? I mean, that's, man, you want, to see, you want to see your influence and your leadership grow? You want to see impact in the world around you? Would you and would I, and not just would we uh, carve out time, but would we prioritize? Would we push back and make prayer a priority, saying, you know what, I'm I'm going to pray. I get it. It's a challenge. It's a challenge for me, right? We get busy and all kinds of stuff happens. But man, what if we were to, to say, you know what? I'm going to start praying more. I'm going to take the first half an hour or whatever of my day and I'm going to hit my knees and I'm going to spend time praying and drawn near to the Lord and seeking his face and then lifting up those around. Man, lives would be changed. When we pray, we get to see what God can do. <laughs> and that's infinitely better than what you and I can do, right? We get to see God-sized results in our leadership, in, in our influence, everything else, because we get to see Him bust into people's lives and answer prayer. Fourth thing is this. Uh, it has to do with character, right? He, he built His character into people. John 17, 22, Jesus says, I have given them the glory that you gave me. The word glory, glory literally means reputation in Greek. It refers to God's nature, his character, who he is. And so Jesus is saying that he has formed God's character into his followers. He's given that character to those who are his followers. Verse 10 uh, says this, it says, and my life is on display in them, Jesus says, right? My life, my character is on display in those who are my followers. That's, that's what he's praying about, that's what he's talking about. And church, for better or for worse, this is going to be true in your life and in my life too. We are, we are displaying, sometimes better than others, right, who God is to the world around us. Are you displaying his character are you displaying his nature? I mean, Jesus, is he, is he a truth teller? Does he live by the truth? 
Is he honest? Is he loving? Right? What are some other uh, characteristics that you would say of Jesus' character? Forgiving. He's forgiving. Yeah, what else? Serving. Yeah. Almighty, Almighty. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> yes. What else? Passionate. passionate. Yeah, passionate for the Father. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Anything else? Generous. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And and, and part of what Christ is doing, and if you are going to have influence in this world, he wants to build his character in you, and then he wants to use you to help, help do that in those around you. Can I just, parents, can I just pick on you for a second? Dads, can I pick on you for a second? This is part of the gig, right? This is part of what you are called to do is to help build Christ-likeness into your kids and to call it out of, sometimes to discipline them to, in order to keep them going in the right direction. But that's part of the gig, right? That's what we are called to do. It's, and it's not just parents. It's all of us, right? That's part of what we are called to do, to help shape, especially Christ followers, help them grow into Christ-likeness, into, into the character, and so that they reflect well the image of God that is in them. It's powerful stuff, man. When we invest in things of character and we start calling those out and developing those and encouraging those in, in our groups and in our spheres and in our relationships, man, again, this goes back to some of the God's Word stuff too, sometimes calling each other out on some of this stuff and saying, man, I feel like you lied to me there. It seems like we're kind of off base or whatever. Or, man, I mean... <laughs> We're kind of a bandwagon people, right? Like, uh, like on Facebook, for instance, we'll complain about somebody w that we refuse to forgive, and I get that they've hurt you or whatever. We do that, and we're, what we're looking for and what we want is people say, oh, it's okay. They should have never treated you that way. It's okay for you to be mad. It's okay for you to treat them like crap. What we need is other Christ followers to say, you know what, man? The, the one that we follow is his hallmark is forgiveness. It's grace. We're, we're told to pray, Father, forgive me like I forgive others. We need, we need other Christ followers to say, you know what? I get they have wronged you. They have hurt you. Uh, I am so sorry. And yet the path forward is forgiveness. Right? We need that kind of stuff in our lives so that Christ's character can be built in us. And when we lead outward that way, when we lead and impact those around us and are, can lovingly, again, for their good, speak truth and love, man, that makes a huge difference. I remember the first church, this is speaking of character in Christ like this, the first church I served in right after college, uh, I, I did uh, worship and youth ministry for them. And I remember we had these families that, would, uh, that, that wanted Christian character built into their kids. They wanted this Christian foundation built into their kids, and so they would drive up uh, to the carport on Sunday morning. They would drop their kids off to go to Sunday school and church, and then go out for breakfast, and then they would come back to pick them up uh, on the way back. Now, can I just say, is that the way that, that leadership works? Is that the way Christian and character formation works? Yeah, you should pick that stuff up, and you should do that. No, character and Christian form, even, even what it looks like to be a Christian, it's more caught than taught, right? They need to see it modeled in us. And when you and I say, you know what, I'm going, I'm going to live this out, it gives us influence even. And when, when we allow Christ's character to be formed in us first, it gives us influence with others. It gives us a leg to stand on instead of dropping them off at church and saying, go with God, right? I mean, like, that's not going to work. Life change doesn't work that way. And Jesus, of course, perfectly modeled this for us. 
fifth one. We'll keep going. He released people uh, to serve God's purposes. Verse 18, you sent me into this world as you have sent me into this world, so I have sent my followers into this world. In God's economy, friends, I've said this before, but disciples, meaning followers of Jesus, always become apostles, meaning sent ones, right? Followers of Jesus always, if they continue to follow and serve and grow in Christ, he, he always transforms them from just disciples to missionaries. That's all, that's the, you can read it in story after story after story after story in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. It is the calling of God to his followers. It's the calling of God to you. He doesn't want us just to sit and just camp out as disciples, just think, I need to learn more, 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 more. Gimme, 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 gimme. No, he says, you're blessed to be a blessing right? He's like, I'm going to teach you this. Now go and make disciples. I'm going to pour into you. Now go share it. I'm going to, I'm going to reveal the gospel. To you. I'm going to draw you close. I'm going to transform your life. Now tell every person you meet, those around you, let them know there's a God that's crazy about them, that died to save them. I want to use you, he says, to impact your world for Christ. That's the deal. It's not about coming to church and warming a, warming a pew, right, just sitting down and doing the thing, putting in our times like a punch clock, chink, chink, and then we're done and we walk out. And we do. No, he's got a mission for you. He's got plans for you. He has specifically put you where you are in your life, with your friends, in your workplace. He's put you there for a reason, and he wants to use you to bring his kingdom. He wants to use you to have an impact. He wants to use you to serve God's purposes, to advance his kingdom. So we're about as a church, right? We say we're about three things. We're about helping people discover new life in Christ, help them come to know Jesus and step into a relationship with him, see their past forgiven and a new life uh, in store for them, help them discover new life in Christ. We want to see them developed to be the real deal into passionate followers of Jesus. That's the disciple part, right? We want to see them love God wholeheartedly and know him and worship him and teach him to follow in step with his spirit because he has unbelievable plans in store for you. But then the third part of it is, is not just that. Right? It's discover, develop, but then it's deploy because the Bible teaches every page of this book is going to teach you. God is going to send us out. He does every day. He gives us opportunities. We may not see them, but what if we started our days praying, God, would you open my eyes to see, to see the opportunities you'll put before me? Would you open my ears to hear the promptings of your spirit? And then would you give me courage and boldness to follow where you lead? Because that's the good stuff. He's got plans for you. He wants to use, you get it? You hear me? Disciples always become apostles. We get sent out on a mission. We come together on Sunday morning to worship, to get trained, to be encouraged, to draw near, to hear a word from God. But then we are sent out into the mission field every single week. And that's where you and I live, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday when we leave from here. That's the whole deal. God's got good plans for you. But God, but Jesus released his followers. That was his plan all along. It's sort of like us as parents, right? Us as parents. Kids are entrusted to us for a season. And our job as parents is to develop them and prepare them because in not too many years from now, we, we will be called to release them and to send them out. And we want to send out people that are prepared to live in the world and to live for Jesus and with Jesus and have impact for their generation and in the world 
that they step into every day, right? Our job is to release it. We can't hold on to them or control them forever. Some, some of us try, right? Some of us want to at times, but, right? but, but we're called to them up and then send them out to impact their generation for Christ. He released them to serve God's purposes in their generation. Sixth one, and I'll just hit this one quickly. I love this. I just thought this was fascinating. It's kind of bonus material. Sixth one is that he modeled a wholehearted commitment to the Father. I thought this was great. Verse 19 says this. Jesus said, I give myself entirely to you, God, so that they also might be entirely yours. You can't lead somebody spiritually further than where you have gone yourself. And Jesus models this, of course, exceptionally. Once again, saying, Father, I dedicate myself to you entirely so that they can be completely dedicated to you too. Can I just say again, I, I wonder what people are seeing in you and me. Do they get nice person? Do they get even churchgoer? Oh, they're churchy. They're churchy. Is that what they get when they look at your life and mine? Or do they see somebody that, that's following God with reckless abandon? That's like, man, I want to know God. I want to follow him. I want to be filled with him. I want as much of God as there is, right? Like, I want to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. Is that what they see when they look at you? Is that what they see in me when they look at me? Man, that's what, that's what Jesus modeled. Jesus says, man, you want to have influence? You want to see leadership lived out? When your words and your actions are in step, there's power. When people look at you and they see the real deal and then they hear it from your mouth, that's when transformation happens. That's when God starts using you in unbelievable kinds of ways. He transforms the world through people like that. In the Old Testament, God says, man, my eyes are constantly scanning, scanning the earth. I'm on the lookout looking for somebody who's fully devoted to me. That's the kind of person I'm going to use. That's the kind of person. I... Man, people whose hearts are all in with God. God uses people like that. And again, does that mean perfect? Does that mean, oh man, never struggle with sin at all anymore? No. Does that mean, oh, it's all about my skill set and I'm being so good and I have every Bible verse memorized? Is that what that means? No. Is he going to use you as a flawed human being? Yes. But somebody that has a heart for God, right? You read, you read about David in the Old Testament. I'm going to get myself in trouble here. But uh, you read about David in the Old Testament and he was a guy. Did he screw up? He had some major screw ups and yet God looks at him and says, you know, he's a man after my own heart. He used him in powerful ways as well. We talked about last week, right? Slays giants and all kinds of things. He modeled, Jesus modeled wholehearted commitment to the Father. And when that gets modeled and seen in our lives, that gives us a whole different gear of influence. It's not just, oh, that's nice. But the people look at you and they say, I think I see Jesus. Right? I see something different. It's how I came to Christ. I've told you the story a gazillion times before, right? But I mean, I met my, the first Christ follower I recognized and knew when I was 18 years old, and their life looked nothing like mine. It was way better, right? You mean like there was, there was hope and there was life in their eyes. The way they spoke about walking with God, I was like, I have never heard that before. And I'm like, I want in. When we live our lives all in for God like that, God uses you to impact others' lives, other people's eternities. The kingdom of God shows up in power. It's great stuff. 
And I wonder if you see, if, if, if those around you are seeing that in you. Uh, one last little quote here, and then we'll kind of wrap up for the day, but there's a, a writer, Robert Fulgham, he was talking about parenting, <laughs> and I thought this was a great quote. He said, don't worry that your children never listen to you. He said, instead, worry that they are always watching you. And what he's, what he's saying, right, it's that, it's that whole thing we've been talking about, is it's, it's more caught than taught. Right? What are they seeing in you? What are your kids seeing in you? Are they seeing hearts that are all in for God? Are they seeing people that are, yeah, we got our stuff, but people that are in process of seeing Christ's character formed in us? People that, that, that live and have a desire to see others come to know Christ. Men and women that are, are people of the word and people of prayer, seeking after God, knowing Him. People that are living it out in the real world. When, when others, when those around us, I don't care if it's at work, I don't care if it's in your neighborhood, in your family, when those around us see those things in us and when we live our lives that way, God shows up and he uses you and he leads you and he empowers you in unbelievable ways to see his kingdom come, to see his will done, to see lives and eternities transformed. I don't know how God's speaking to you today, but I, I, I bet He is. He, he is to me. <laughs> There's some of these that are challenging that you hear and you start thinking, man, God, I want to I be a leader like you. I want to be a, such a, a good follower, such a close follower. I want my heart to be so set on you that others can see Jesus in me. I want to have spiritual influence, yes, but, but more importantly and, and first and foremost, I want to be yours completely. I want to be all in with you. I want to be led by you. I want to be, right, I want to be filled with you. I want to walk with you. I want to every, I just want my life to be like your life lived out in me. I want every, the world to see, the world to know. Have your way. My desire for us today is that that would become our prayer. This week, would you open up the Word? I'd encourage you, open it up to John 17. Read through this thing. Man, I, and, and as you do, just, encourage, just invite the Lord to speak to you, to reveal Himself to you. Would, you. would you carve out some time this week to hit your knees and start praying? Praying some of those things, right, that, that, uh, that Jesus prays for His followers. Would you pray those for your family, for your friends, for your coworkers, for your neighbors, for those around you? Would you be praying and looking for opportunities to point people to Jesus? And would you allow Christ first and foremost to be formed in you and then we can help uh, guide and encourage one another in the same direction. Let's close in prayer for today. God, that's, uh, that's our cry. I pray that we could become the kind of followers and the kind of leaders that you call us to be. Lord, we want to have impact. We want to see your kingdom come in power, but, but we, we recognize the path forward is the path towards you. And so, God, we, we just want to bow down before you today. We want to surrender again. Pray that you would come and fill, that you would come and lead and direct. Give us a hunger and a thirst to know you more, to, to be men and women of your word and of prayer. Would you form your character and heart in us? And then would you send us out to impact the world, to, to live for you out there as well? We need you. We love you. We offer ourselves to you afresh this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.